Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. So, hey, take your Bibles this morning and uh, turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. I'm doing a series uh, called Challenging Times, Courageous Faith. Um, As I was... Uh, going over this chapter for this week. I've been pastoring and preaching a long time. I don't think I've ever seen a more appropriate passage for the time that we are, uh, the, that we are living in. Um, so just a, just a few things about Daniel. This is the, s- the seventh message in this series, but just kind of bring you up to date. So Daniel at this point in the story has reached 80 years of age, and he's been in captivity for 60 years. Remember, he was brought into captivity maybe 18 to 20 years of age. He's been in captivity for 60 years. He has outlived two Babylonian kings. I would give you the quiz, but I put the answer up there anyway. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Belshazzar have died. And now he is under the reign of King Darius. Now, if you are a, a Daniel... Fan, this is the most famous story, Daniel 6, that we, that we know uh, of Daniel in the lion's den. But before we get there, there's some very interesting things that, uh, that happen that I think are very significant to the moment and the hour that we, that we live in. So uh, start reading with me in your Bibles, your devices, or it'll be on the, on the screen. <clears throat> it pleased Darius to appoint 120 Satraps. I'm going to use the word governor because that we don't use the term satraps anymore. So governor maybe is a little something that you would understand. So throughout this text, I'm going to use I'm going to use that word. So it pleased Darius to appoint 120 uh, governors to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them. One of whom was Daniel. So they had him sectioned off the 120, and every one of these. Uh, administrators had, you know, had like 40 governors under them, okay? One of them was Daniel. The governors were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the governors by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So, he's one of three But he's done so well that it is the plan of the king to really just put him right under under him. So let's just look at this for a second. Let's just talk about excellence on the job. Have you ever had a co-worker who was just mediocre? They were just sloppy in their work. They, you know, they they just kind of did their own thing. They were only out. You know, just for the check, you know, pride of work, quality of work had no, you know, had no meaning to them. Don't uh, say any names or post anything. Just giving you a hypothetical there. Have you ever had, you ever had a coworker like that? Well, Daniel was the opposite on the job. You know, he caught the eye of the king because of his excellent work. He was doing 
unbelievable. The king references his exceptional, you know, his exceptional qualities because he was doing such a good job. Man, the king had his eye on him. And we, you know, we want to do the same thing in the workplace. You know, we want to have a spirit of excellence when it comes, you know, to the workplace. And that means several, you know, several things. Number one, it means being on time, you know. You know, one of the most dangerous places you can be is the work parking lot two minutes before everyone's supposed to be there. All right? So we're on time. That doesn't mean you're pulling in the driveway. That means you're at your workplace when the, when the clock strikes. On time really means five minutes early. Okay? So we're on time for work. We're on time for our meetings. We don't want people waiting on us because we're not on time. When you go to lunch, you need to be back at the right time, when you leave at the end of the day, it needs to be at the right time. That's just part of the spirit of excellence. If you want to, you, you want the, he, he had the eye of the king. You want the, the your, your boss's eye on you, then let's do these things. Be on, be on time. Be a good team member. Be a good team member. See your workplace as a mission field. How many of you pray, Lord, I want you to use me. And some are terrible examples on the job. You know, you're, you're, you're hurting your witness because sometimes because of work quality. So on the job, let's be Christ-like. Let's be unselfish. Let's care about other people. Let's have a positive attitude. Ever been around those that just poison the room with their attitude? They're all negative, they're down, everything is terrible. And man, you can poison a team, you can poison a company, you can poison a work environment just with negativity. So don't be that person. Be positive, be upbeat. If, if you don't like something, either be quiet or take it to the boss. But we're not poisoning the people of others with, with, with our attitude. Be kind, love people, serve people, build people up. Encourage them, compliment them when, they've, you know, when, when, when they do well. Help others even when you don't have to. You know, be, be a good team member. That's the spirit of excellence. Do your assigned tasks on time and with excellence. All right? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? And when is it supposed to be done? And once you know those things, you do it well. You do, you do it well. Now listen, we do things for the glory of God. We do things because we're a witness on the job. But do you know... People's eyes are also on us as, as well. So we, we do assigned tasks on time, and we do them with excellence. And excellence is our goal. Maybe there are times that we don't achieve it in every task, but you know what? It's something that we are working for because the Scripture says, whatever my hands find to do, do for the glory of God. Do for the glory of God. So my work field is my is my witness, and I want to do everything with a spirit of excellence, okay? You know what? It might turn out sometimes you get a job promotion, you get a raise because somebody has said, you know, they are indispensable to this team. So the spirit of excellence is in the workplace. That's what Daniel brought. 
Man, that's what, that's what he brought. You know, I mean, he started as an exile, and then he moved. You know, then he moved to one of the governors. Then he was one of the three, and he had done so well on the job, the king was about to put him right up under him because of his excellent work qualities. Okay? So let, let's continue. So he sees these excellent work qualities here. Continue to read. At this, the administrators and the governors tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of his government affairs. Read that, okay? But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt or negligent. Now, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me, all right? Because we're entering a different day when it comes, excuse me, when it comes to being a believer in the workplace. We are entering a different day. See, you thought spiritual battles would be fought at the church or on social media, but I'm telling you, the workplace is the new arena of spiritual conflict. The workplace is the new arena of spiritual conflict. So here's what they do. Look at that. They tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of his government affairs, and they were unable to do so. So they started looking at his professional life. They started, they started this kind of persecution. They started looking at his, you know, at his professional life. But his business ethics and his behavior was clean. Okay? Now, I, I just said a moment ago, what, we, what we're doing, we do to please the Lord. We do it with excellence, but you got to know that we're entering a day that other people are going to watch your job and the conduct of your job, and they have other motives in mind. So if you have forms to fill out, fill them out correctly. You got receipts to turn in, turn them in. You need to account for money, you account for every dime. Make sure that you have appropriate communication. Make sure that all your uh, relationships on the job are ethical. We need to make sure that we are conducting ourselves on the job with integrity. Psalm 78 says, David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. So he was good at what he was doing, but yet what guided him was a sense of godly ethics on the job. So he was good at what he did, but he also, he was honest and he was trustworthy on the job. So they started looking at his professional life. Keep reading in the story. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now look at that, okay? So it starts with scrutiny, <clears throat> excuse me, it starts with scrutiny of his business and his professional life. Okay, it starts there. Now they are looking for some conflict with his job and his personal religious beliefs and practices. Okay, it starts with professional conduct. Now they are looking for something, some kind of conflict into government, uh, you know, the, the job mission, uh, job policies, and his personal religious beliefs and practices. Now, I want you to listen to me because this is where we're headed as believers, okay? This is the, um, that's why I said the workplace is the new arena of spiritual conflict here. And I want you to listen to me very carefully, all right? 
If you work in a large company or corporation, you need to watch out. If you are in state or county education, you need to watch out. If you work for state or federal government, you need to watch out. When it comes to your personal religious beliefs or practices, I'm telling you, the workplace is going to be the new, the new area of conflict. So I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But there's something else that happens in the story that I think is really important. So let's, let's keep reading. Verse 6. So these administrators and governors went as a group to the king. And they said, King Darius, you know, uh, may you live forever. All of the administrators and all of the leaders have agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree and that anyone who prays to any god and any human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, must be thrown in the lion's den. Now your majesty issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered. So Darius put that in writing. Now Look at Daniel's response. It's very important here. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. So is he all panicked? Is he all upset? Now listen, listen, let, let's, let's look at this because this is an important thing for us to remember. Daniel was a very busy man, but nothing could take him away from his times of prayer, okay? So, listen, if you, if you run your prayer life, you know, like, like hey, uh, you know, I mean, or, or if you wait until your schedule clears up until you pray, we'll never pray, Right? Whoever goes, you know what? I just don't have a lot going this week. I just got a lot of free time. I think I'm going to pray. I mean, because that will never happen. So here's a man who is high up in government, and even though he's very busy, he has a lot of responsibilities. It never takes him away from his time of prayer. And I just want to say, I, we, we live in the same kind of work environment, world, you know, marriage kids. But I want to tell you something. There needs to be one part of your day that is unmovable, and that is your time with the Lord, especially in the season that we're about to walk through. Okay, The crisis did not interrupt his prayer routine. The crisis did not interrupt his prayer routine. Look at the last part of that verse. It says he's given thanks to God just as he had done before. So there was nothing you know, sometimes we get upset when different things happen in our life and we're, oh man, it's, our schedule's off, we're all out of sorts, you know, and, 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 and we, we're, we post before we pray and we, you know, we call before we pray. No, nothing changed his schedule there. The crisis did not interrupt his routine. In actuality, that crisis that he was about to go to just reminded him he needed to stay with his routine of prayer. Three times a day, he's still, he's still there. I want to say, pray today because you don't know what is around the corner tomorrow. Pray today because you don't know what is around the corner tomorrow. Consistent prayer in peaceful times. Like if, if there's, you know, you know, 
you know, you're not going through any kind of crisis at the moment. This is the time that you really need to focus in in prayer. Your, your faithful prayer today will prepare you for what you need tomorrow. So if you are consistent in the peaceful times, it's like a deposit that God will drop into your heart if you're faithful in prayer because you don't know what tomorrow is. You don't know what season you're going to walk through. And in those times now, man, we need to pray and let God put that deposit in our heart because there's going to be a day that you're going to be drawing from the the prayer deposit you made in peaceful times when you need strength and when you need direction and when you need God's peace in your life. Sometimes it's difficult in times of crisis to do that. But man, we have a prayer deposit in peaceful times. He saw what was about to happen and it didn't upset him didn't distract him. He still did what he knew to do, and that was be faithful and pray. Now let's keep, keep reading. Keep reading. Then these men, okay, they started with his professional life. Then they're looking at his religious life. Then these men went as a group, and they found Daniel praying, asking God for help. Where did they go? Daniel's at home. These are his co-workers who've gone to his home in his private life to find the violation. So they went to the king and they spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human except you, your majesty, be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands. And they said to the king, Daniel, who's one of your exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said, Remember, your majesty, according to the law, no edict or no decree or edict uh, that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel, threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Wow. Um, last week, I always try to go away for, you know, maybe once a quarter I try to go away and um, I go to Wakulla. Because there's a lot going on in Wakulla, okay? If you, if you just need no distractions, that's the place to go. So I go there and I do my, I do my prayer retreat there. I don't, I don't take golf clubs. I just take my books. And I, you know, it's just that kind of really a, a time that I just try to focus on the, on the Lord. And, you know, while I was driving down there, I just want to tell you, I really felt this, this real heaviness in my heart. I just really... You know, I just really felt God just speaking to me, you know, about the, about the next season that, that we as believers in the church are about to, to walk through. And I just had God just dropping these things in my heart. And I just get to the, I just get to the room and I just start just, just writing, you know, just, just writing these things. And I share these things to you, you know, this morning, you know, just, you know, not to cause fear at all. But I'm just, I'm just telling you we are in a, a different season you know, in the world, we are in a different season uh, uh, in the church. Uh, we now live in a society that is hostile to faith. Faith has always been the friend of our, our government. There's always been allowances. But I'm just telling you, that, 
that relationship is about to change. It's going to be very hostile. Our, our faith and our belief is going to be very hostile. If you are a little older, you remember uh, McCarthyism. You know, uh, McCarthy, you know, the, the senator thought that everyone in government was a communist and they just started, you know, back in the 50s and they just started this, you know, where you were, you were guilty until you were proven innocent. All of your associations, anything that you've ever done, you know, you were, you were a communist unless you were, you know, proven innocent. And I just want to tell you that kind of McCarthyism is coming to the believers and it's coming, you know, it's coming to the local church. The persecution of believers because of what their Christian values and their stand for God and where they go to church. It's about to, it's about to be open season. There's going to be a pivot and that you are going, you're going to see our religious freedoms are going, are going to shrink and it's going to be more difficult to do what we've always done and preach what we've always preached and believe what we have always believed. You'll be sought out. That's what they did to Daniel. Where did they find Daniel praying? Was he praying on the job? No. They went back to his house, his personal life, and found a violation in his own personal life. The rules changed. The rules changed on him. And then they found some, some violation. And I just want to just say this to you this morning. There's a New Age gospel coming in which the exclusivity of the cross of Jesus and the traditional beliefs of the Bible will not be tolerated. Okay, What we've always known, what we've always believed, what we've always preached, that's not going to be acceptable in this culture anymore. The Christian worldview is now not going to be allowed as any, you know, any kind of common any kind of common world view that will be substituted with a new age gospel which you don't talk about Jesus you don't talk about the cross you don't talk about any you know kind of biblical belief that we've always had about you know about about life how we live our life and our in our families that day that day is coming that day is coming but we've already seen this before acts chapter 5 Peter and John are in jail and they release them and this is the only requirement. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Your theology is wrong. Do whatever you want to do, but you cannot preach the gospel of Jesus. So we've already, we have already seen this. We've already seen this happen and it's going to come again. You will be questioned about your beliefs, your excuse me, your social media activity and the church that you attend. And you'll have to give account for all of your associations. You will even have to give account for the belief, the beliefs of your church. You will be guilty first and then you'll have to be, you'll be, be proven uh, to prove yourself innocent. And we've already seen this. We've already seen this happen. Those of you that, that watch Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanna, you know, great show. But if you remember a couple years ago, they, uh, somebody started snooping around in their life. They go to a church that believes like us. And man, that was just became a controversy because their church that they went to, you know, was, was anti this and anti family. And I mean, I just, I couldn't, 
I couldn't believe, you know, you just can't go to church today because now, you know, biblical beliefs are now hostile to certain lifestyles, okay? Just a few weeks ago, you saw, maybe you saw it on the news, Pastor Chris Hodge of Church of the Highlands in, in Birmingham, okay? Big, big church and does a lot of um, work in poor communities and somebody kind of snooping around on his Twitter, he liked one tweet of a person that they felt like, you know, was, you know, was uh, uh, anti, you know, certain lifestyles. And man, they made, they, they canceled all the contracts of the church in the city of Birmingham, all of the thousands of dollars that the church was doing in, in impoverished communities. Man, the city severed that based on one social media, you know, association. I want to tell you, it's coming to that. I got, I got an email, you know, a couple of months ago. Somebody doesn't go to church here. They went down, you know, my list of, of people that I follow on Twitter and didn't like a certain theologian, you know, that I, that I follow. I don't follow everyone that I agree with. They sent me an email, you know, like you shouldn't be, you know, uh, watching this or, you know, following this individual. And I'm just like, what business of that is yours? Why are you going down? But I'm just telling you, that is the era that we are now living in. Chris Pratt, actor, he's on one of the, one of the talk shows, and he, he's telling about his spiritual journey, okay? Just about, he's a Christian, just about his, his spiritual journey, and he, he uh, talks about what the Lord was doing in his life, and Ellen Page, an actress, came back with this tweet. But his church is infamously anti-LGBTQ. Maybe address that too. So I'm just saying to you, there's going to be a day. This is already out there. It's already happening that believers and churches are going to uh, be put on the spot. You're going to be put on trial for your associations you know, and your beliefs. Now, I want to just say something too. To believers watching, if you're live or, or or whatever, but don't believe the first things you hear about ministries and believers. Okay, we always believe that. We always, when we see something out there, we grab the negative. Okay, and we need to be very careful not to do that because a lot of this end time social media cancel culture persecution will be untrue and you know of. Uh, false, you know, hat, you know, lies, that kind of thing. So we in the church, we need to wait when we hear something, you know, uh, un unsettling about another another believer, okay? So it starts with believers. Your work life is professional conduct, and if they can't find anything, then then they try to find some difference in your personal religious beliefs and practice and your job you know, your, your, your job policies and beliefs. But I want to just say, too, for gospel-preaching churches, we need to look out as well. They don't care what we do in the community. You can give out food if you want to do, but I'm just telling you the message of the gospel that has always been preached from evangelical pulpits all around the world will now be called hate speech, intolerant, and bigoted. Okay? 
That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed here. It will not be the new age culturally approved gospel. And it will not be accepted. It will be an incompatible worldview that people will try to do what they can to shut down the voice of the gospel. Okay? Now you need to be ready. Because you're going to see protests in the parking lots of local churches. Or churches might even hear. You might even drive in and see that. Okay? You're going to see a very aggressive push against the local church. You may even tune in for live stream one Sunday and the screen be blank and our account be canceled because the gospel message has been ruled by social media as hate, intolerant, and bigoted. We are headed toward that day. I fully believe the the, the challenge to the tax-exempt status to the church will be successful. I think, I think that is the next horizon that, that, will, that, that we will face. And I'm just saying to you, okay, just saying to you, if that happens, so be it. So be it. God sovereignly will provide for this church. But let the gospel be preached. Let the gospel be preached. Some will flee the local church. There'll be some that have sat in this building and other other churches who in that moment who've always thought, you know, in the right moment, I'm going to stand up and make things right with God. And I just want to say, if you can't do it now, you will never do it when the spotlight's on you. But there'll be those that will have sat in this church that will... You know, that will leave the doors of this church to project to protect their job, their social standing, their reputation in the community. But don't be surprised at this because Jesus said, Man, in the last days, the love of many in the church will become cold. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that people that you know will lob back complaints and and you know uh, bad experiences that they've had in the church. Just just don't be surprised when you when you hear that. I'm just reminding you. As of now, the Christian faith is an incompatible worldview. And man, things are shifting rapidly in that area. And I'm calling to the church today because there is a time of courage. There is a time of trust. There is a time of boldness that God is going to require us to walk through. He's going to grab our hand. He will never leave the church that He birthed. But there's about to be a season that unlike we've ever walked through before, that's about to happen in the face of believers in the church. He already said in Matthew, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs are the kingdom of God. Look at this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Keep that in mind. Because of me, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's just saying this is just, this is part of it. I want to tell you, I've been... I've been saying it for a couple of months. I've been just grieved in my heart. Yesterday, I just came to the church and spent a couple of hours. Man, I was just, just like sick at my stomach. I was just grieving in my, in my heart just for the, for the church and the season that we're about to walk through. But I'm telling you, 
God is trying to get us ready. The return of Jesus is, is soon. We are seeing the maneuverings and the shiftings and the shaking. And this world that's always slept when it's come to the return of Jesus is about to be awakened to His return. We're, what we're facing is not a, a random series of unfortunate incidences. We are seeing a Matthew 24 birth pain. And maybe you're like me. I've never been through, I never felt anything like this before. This feels different. There are things that are happening in the world. There are things that are shifting and maneuvering, but it's just like, he said it's like a contraction. You know, happens when, when, when the, the stomach of the woman tightens and loosens. Things are happening in the world and they're preparing the world for the return of Jesus. And we better be ready for it. We better be ready for it. There's a shaking. There is a shaking going on. In the world, no, very few sports happening. Economies basically shut down. Just when we thought there was a breather when it came to, you know, to the virus. And man, there's another lockdown here. I'm just telling you, God is trying to shake and God is trying to awaken this world for one reason. And it's that as we will repent and that we return back to God. And I don't know that we're hearing this message at all. I don't know that we're hearing this message at all. And I'm just telling you, we have, we have a presidential election coming up that, man, I'm just grieved in my heart about. Man, I feel like it's just going to be a, a very divisive, you know, very difficult time for, for, for our country. But I'm just telling you, our hope does not rest in a politician or a political party. It cannot rescue us. We are way too far for that. Our only hope rest if we return and, and, and turn back to God. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. There, there's a day coming when our urban cities are erupt with violence and our college campuses are on fire and erupt with violence. I've said it for a couple years. I just feel it in my heart. What we saw recently is not it. It's not it. That day's coming. There's a day that you won't even want to leave your house in this city and the safety of this city because of the fear that you see on the news. I'm just telling you we're headed. We are headed for that day. We're headed for that day. We're walking down a, like a, a dangerous path of no return. Worship team, you can come. You can come. Listen, I know this isn't a very joyful message. Can I just tell you that? <laughs> I know. I tried to find a joke in there somewhere, but it's just, it's just not the season that we're living in, folks. It's just not the season that we're living in. There's... This is unprecedented times. Spiritually, things, things are moving. Things are, things are happening. And I just, I just want to say, if you're watching me this morning, if you're here and you're away from God and your heart is cold, let me tell you, if you are not moved in this moment, you'll never be moved. This is the time that you need to, 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 to realize this is a serious moment. It's not a time to play another game and put off your walk with the Lord again. It's time to get right with God now. Okay? God's shaking things. God's moving this thing. It's a call to the prodigal. It's a call to the church to awaken and, and get ready. I'm just telling you, there are tough times coming. But I promise you, 
The Holy Spirit is going to be with us. The Holy Spirit is going to grab our hand. The Holy Spirit, as He's done in in previous seasons when the church was under persecution, the Holy Spirit is going to be with us. So I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be fearful. Because we got work to do. We can't let the fear of the moment keep us from the opportunity that is before us. Because when things get dark, there are going to be more people who are going to be open to the gospel. When things, you know, they see on the news and it's just, they see hopelessness everywhere. They're going to look and maybe make a phone call and follow up with a conversation that they've had because they're, they're nervous and they're, they're upset and they're worried. So this is not a time for us to retreat. What did Daniel do when he got the bad news he found his place of prayer he found his place of prayer now I don't have time to get Daniel out of the lion's den this morning I ran out of time we're going to leave him there for a week okay we'll get him out we'll get him out next week but I'm just telling you I'm just I'm just telling you this morning man my heart is my heart is grieved my heart is broken at at my country and where we're headed in our world I'm telling you the only hope is Christ the only hope is Christ just stand this morning. I just want to pray over you today. I want to pray over you. Then Brent's going to lead us in a in a time of in a time of worship. Okay. So Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning. I pray, God. I just pray for strength. I pray for courage. I pray for boldness. Lord, unprecedented times are upon us. Lord, the clear stand for the gospel in the Bible, Lord, is now going to be required. Lord, and I pray, I pray for everyone that is listening this morning. I pray for strength. I pray for courage. Lord, I pray for wisdom. Lord, as the enemy kind of cranks up the pressure, Lord, I pray for strength, unbelievable strength from believers, from the church. Lord, I pray, God, that we'll be strong. Lord, we've walked through times of pain and discomfort before in the church world. But Lord, I pray, God, I pray you're going to hold our hand. You're going to be with us. Lord, we're not going to be a church that in the face of adversity waves the white flag. But Lord, we're going to find every opportunity that we can to share the light of the gospel, tell people that Jesus saves. God, I pray. I pray over believers. I pray over the church. I pray over our sister churches. God, I pray. This is the moment to stand firm. Lord, I pray today. I pray today. I pray over every church, every pastor, every leader. Every organization, Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray over them today. Lord, I pray for those that are away from God this morning. Lord, I pray for those who maybe lived a compromised life. Lord, they've kind of walked away from you. Lord, we pray over them this morning. And if you know someone that's there, let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we pray over them today. Lord, we pray over those that have drifted. Lord, they've walked away. God, that they would see what is going on in the world and know this is not normal and come back to the the faith of their childhood. Lord, we pray over them this morning, God. Lord, I pray that their hearts would be soft. Oh, God, I pray. I pray. I pray for prodigals. I pray for husbands and wives that are away from God. Lord, I pray. Sons and daughters, I pray today. I pray today. I pray today. God, I pray that you would ready and steady the church for this next season, Lord. I pray. I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.